A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This episode is sponsored by RW Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case. If you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- The Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. I grew up with the stereotype and the stigma around it. So I was like, oh, I'm not autistic. For the first time in my life, reading stuff that related to how I was feeling, I was like, wait, that that's something that I felt that I never could describe. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Closed Friday coming at you. Start of the weekend. Yeah, what a great week so far. Take a break from the <laughs> office, go out with your friends, and have a good two days, rest and relaxation. But enough about that. We have more important <laughs> business. Everyone needs to mark your calendar. Saturday, April 2nd, 2022. That's the year we're in now. At 3 p.m., we are going to do our first ever official sanctioned book signing of how to win the bachelor you might have heard there was one unsanctioned one but we are forgetting that's all in the past and so our first sanctioned one will not be at the grove 
It will, in fact, be at a completely <laughs> different place as we are, of course, banned from the Grove for one year, calendar year anyway. Mm-hmm. This book signing is going to be taking place at Skylight Books in Los Angeles, California. If you have a pen handy, it's at 1818 North Vermont Avenue. It's a great indie bookstore. We cannot wait to go there again. It's going to be Saturday, April 2nd at 3 p.m. They're going to have books there. I think you can bring your books if you already have them. And masks are required to enter the store and to approach the signing table where Pace Case and I will be sitting. Signing. And you can find more information at skylightbooks.com for more details. But we can't wait to see everyone. Hopefully it'll be our least dramatic book signing ever. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully there won't be security guards forcing us to lead a a parade of people around uh, the the Mm -hmm. grounds as we are trying to sign books, take pictures, hand out roses, (laughs) as we're also trying to pretend like we're going to our cars. Hopefully none of that will happen. And we'll we'll be able to just have a nice time. That was a one-time thing. That's right. (laughs) But we will be prepared if that is, uh, is the case once again. Hopefully it won't be, though. Shouldn't be. Yeah. I... We'll be more prepared emotionally, so I probably won't cry as much if it does happen again. But if you didn't make it out to the first one at the Grove, please come to this one. And even if you did make it out to the first one at the Grove and it was a a little rushed, Mm -hmm. a little less than what you expected, please come to this one and this will be a much better event. We'll sign your books. We'll sign your sauce if you bring it. We'll sign books, sauce. We'll take pictures with anyone, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So we hope to see you all out there. And now... Let's get into what this show is. Like I said, this is This Week in Bachelor Nation. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get those screams. You're going to get those parasocial plays. You're going to get those tits. You're going to get all those gains. You're going to get that dwab. You you always get that in every episode. (laughs) But in this episode, we usually start out with a state of the game or a state of the world. We ain't doing that today. We have (gasps) a very special guest that we had the pleasure of speaking to And so you're going to hear our conversation with him right now. Welcome to the pit. Today, we are humbled. We are honored to have with us in the pit stand-up comedian, pop culture guru, host of the Everything Iconic podcast and author of the hilarious memoir, How Do I Unremember This? Unfortunately, True Stories, Danny Pellegrino is with us today. The honor is all mine. I'm so excited to talk to you both. I've been wanting to do this forever. And so I'm glad. I'm glad we get to chat. Hello. Hello. Yes. Welcome. You know, I've dipped my toe into the Bachelor world, so I'm not maybe as much of an expert. I Mm. hope your audience doesn't hold that against me. I uh, will do my best. It's okay. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about SLC the whole time anyway. Okay. <laughs> Which I've just made Chad start watching. I, yeah, I'm I'm kind of a bachelor purist, but I do branch out every now and then. And yeah, Lizzie has turned me on to SLC, which is uh, I mean that's a TV show. I'll I'll say that much. Salt Lake City. It's it's delivering on a different level right now. It's unhinged in the best of ways. But I have a question for you guys because I'm very fascinated by this. In my experience, it seems like there are bachelor people and then there are Bravo people. And occasionally they intersect with each other. But 
I always say the only people that are sort of similar or like-minded to Bravo fans are Bachelor fans. Like it's, they're kind of like the only two things in pop culture that at least I could think of outside of sports where the fan bases are so invested as they would be with sports. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that way? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel equally invested in both in both worlds. So I completely understand. That's really the entire premise of our show is that these things are sports and they are played by players on these shows and there are metrics to measure how good they are at that specific game or specific things within the game and all that kind of stuff. Speaking of metrics, something we like to do (laughs) on the show, a little easy transition right there. Danny, yes. do you know where you rank in the Instagram rankings of our beloved game? No, no, I don't. No, I'm nervous, though. Danny has 235,000 followers on Instagram, 67.4K on Twitter, 1.7K on TikTok. And per our old data, you are number 106 out of all players on the board between Chris, a.k.a. Goose Randone, and Jen Saviano. Huge names. Interesting. Interesting. I'm I'm embarrassed about my TikTok numbers, but I'm newly on TikTok. Oh, fresh. And I have become recently obsessed with inspirational TikTok. I, mm. That's just what the feed shows me. And I'm seeing like a lot of Steve Harvey on the set of Family Feud, <laughs> just like giving me, he's constantly just saying like, get off your ass. And I watch it in the morning. And now because oh of the, the algorithm on TikTok is such that that's all I see on TikTok now. But it's gotten me to keep logging in. In the morning times, I just go and I look at my Steve Harvey TikToks and I'm ready to go for the day. That's beautiful. That's like morning yoga. It's the same concept, yes. My TikTok turned into alien conspiracy theories. And there is this guy who cooks things out in the middle of the woods using an old like iron cleaver. He will cook a meal in like a cast iron pan on a stump in the woods and he will consume the meal. It's that and aliens. That's all I get now. Oh my God. I guess that's inspiring in its own way. Really funny is that our social media manager, Grace Ann Parks, recently told Chad that he needs to get off of our Game of Roses TikTok because he's messing up the <laughs> algorithm. And she wants to only watch Bachelor things. And now it's going into, I guess, this weird pan <laughs> shit. Aliens and this weird mountain man <laughs> cooking like grilled cheese sandwiches in the middle of nowhere. I find it so fascinating that there are these corners of TikTok that you just, you they make you a, become obsessed with these things. Because before all my Steve Harvey inspirational quotes, it was a lot of air fryer work. So it was just like <laughs> every single video was showing me how to cook something else in the air fryer. And at a certain point, you're like, let's just use the oven. Like, I think we're, we're all getting a little too crazy. Do you have an air fryer? I do. And I like it. But I don't think we need to cook every single I think. And maybe I'm just being brainwashed by the algorithm into thinking that everyone's doing too much in the air fryer. <laughs> But it just is nonstop. Sh- it was nonstop showing me air fryer stuff. And then I don't know, that went away. I don't know, did I X something out? I'm not sure. But now it's Steve Harvey. Now that you've said that, it'll listen and it, it'll bring it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and speaking of being brainwashed by the algorithm, you're obviously very steeped in pop culture, reality TV. How did you first get into reality TV? Like, do you remember the first reality TV show you watched? And when was that moment that you were like, I love this shit and I have to talk about it forever? <laughs> Oh, God, that is such a good question. I think early days of the real world. I remember the first uh, one that I was really into was real world Hawaii. Yes, Ruthie. Ruthie. 
It was so, so good. And I remember loving that the, that sort of MTV era, which of course led to like the Osbournes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. newlyweds and and that whole thing. And then in terms of Housewives and Bravo, I remember uh, New York City season two, I believe is when I really yeah. kind of dove in. And then I went back and watched uh, mm-hmm. Orange County, which had premiered before New York. And then I got on board with Atlanta. And I think uh, there was a podcast called Bitch Sesh, which is the most brilliant. Um, Casey and Danielle host it. And I remember listening to that and being like, oh my God, people can, you could just get on a microphone and talk about reality mm-hmm. TV. Um, and so I think that was a a moment where I kind of realized that this was something I could do for my podcast. Um, but I've always, I guess, loved reality mm-hmm. TV and and the documentary style of of entertainment. But Real World was the first like obsession. And I, I they do now on Paramount Plus. They're doing these like um, Real World Homecomings where they get the cast back together and they're uh, doing New Orleans, which that season specifically. I remember because there was a guy in, on there named Danny and he was gay and he had this boyfriend who was in the military and they had to blur out his face and it was this whole love story. And I just remember that being like super influential mm-hmm. to me that season. And now they're going to be putting them all back together. I remember the the season you mentioned as being one of your first, the one with Ruth, Ruthie and uh, Tech. If I remember right, that was season maybe three or four. And they that was the first season that in the first episode two people got naked and jumped in a hot tub. And it was just like, holy shit. Like that reality TV went from like the innocence of real world season one, where it was like Eric Nice and Julie from Alabama, I believe. And they're just like trying to find their way in the big city. And then within like two or three seasons, it was just like fucking frame one. Everybody's naked and fucking in the hot tub. And that escalation of like sensationalism in reality television, especially in real world for me, that's what I took away from that season. Like, oh, this is where we're going now. We just want to see people fighting and fucking on television. And then you saw like when Survivor came out, it was, oh, and dying. We also want to see people dying. It's like death, fucking, (laughs) and fighting. All the intense stuff. Well, I I think actually what you're referring to on Hawaii was they, they tech took off his clothes. Ruthie took off her clothes and they got in the pool, but Oh, right, right. With that one, there wasn't really, it wasn't really like a, so much of a sex thing. There was a lot of drinking and then real world, um, Las Vegas with Trishel and Steven was when they they had that hookup in the hot tub where it was a threesome in the hot tub. And that really like, I think was a turning point for reality TV. I agree. I got to watch this. Yeah, Trishel. I haven't thought about her in a minute. Did you ever watch Breaking Amish? Um, okay. Wait, I vaguely remember this show. Was it A&E? I believe so. Okay. The first season, it was about these Amish kids who in the first season went to New York and they were like trying to figure out if they still want to be Amish or whatever. And Are they on Romspringer? Not exactly. It's like kind of a vague thing. It, it was never like exactly mm. that. But in season two, there was a threesome between a guy and two of these Amish girls. And one of them tried to say like, it wasn't my idea and I got coerced into this. And they she brought in like police into the whole thing. And then the producers were just like, here's the tapes. And all of her, she was lying. Like it was, evidence was very clear. It was her idea and all this kind of stuff. And that was something that was interesting to me too, especially in the first few scenes of uh, Real World is like how the people that were in the show, their vocabularies and their understanding of how to like start acting in reality TV, like that learning curve was so steep and so drastic. But by like season three or four, you saw like, oh, they all knew that they had to go on the show to be celebrities and kind of act a certain version of themselves. Whereas like in, in season one, that shit was so pure 
It, I, I highly encourage anybody to go back and watch Real World Season 1. It'll blow your goddamn mind. And it's yeah. still relevant. Everything yeah. in it is relevant today. All the stuff about race and misogyny and like everything. Well, there, I find it so fascinating that uh, the casting for MTV, uh, for all those early seasons of the shows, whether it be The Challenge or, or Real World Road Rules, uh, they were cast as big personalities and they didn't know about social media. And so now mm -hmm. when you watch, mm -hmm. I sometimes dip into the challenge. I think it's like a great competition show, but the casting on there, it's, it doesn't work to me as well as it used to because everyone's so concerned with how they're coming across and losing their followers, gaining their followers. Mm -hmm. They don't want to lose sponsorships. And uh, they recently rebooted the challenge too. And so a lot of those old real world people uh, came back and did like a, a, I think they called it the challenge all-stars where they brought people like Trishel and some of those earlier, what? earlier season, um, I guess, reality TV stars. And they're making them do like tug of wars in the sand. <laughs> shit. How old are these people? Like they can't be doing this. <laughs> That's dangerous. Mark Long was a producer on it and he is uh 50 something, I think. And uh -huh. he, he was the one who kind of spearheaded this. And the challenges were really tough, but but the thing that I took away from watching it was like, they still are more interesting to watch to me than the newer season of the challenge where they mm -hmm. have all these people who are so concerned with their uh, self-image and their social media and all that kind of stuff. Does that, I don't know, that makes sense? Totally. I mean, uh, that's something we talk about constantly is like the only reason to go into reality television now is your social media career. Whatever you're doing on the show is only to promote that because that's where you actually make money. I don't know what the prize money is on the challenge at this point. Now it's high. What is it? A hundred thousand dollars? I think it's a half a million now for the challenge. Oh, wow. To be split between two people? No, I think the most recent seasons of the challenge, I think it was like a million split between two. Mm. Um, but they, the challenge, they up their ante, which also makes me see some of these other shows. Like RuPaul's Drag Race, the prize money is still so low. I know. And it's like shocking to me. Is it 100K? How much is it? RuPaul's Drag Race, I mean, we'd have to look it up, but I know it's like still shockingly low and very similar to like when it mm. started for such like a huge cultural yeah. phenomenon that makes the network and the streamers so much money. It's, I, I don't know why people haven't like just completely blown the lid off this because it's crazy to me that they still make such low amounts of money, but even celebrity big brother, it was like, mm -hmm. I think third place or second place, one fifty K. And I'm like, that's all they're giving second place, like 50 K. Cause I don't think like that money's wow. irrelevant in the face yeah. of having potentially, especially like on RuPaul's drag race, the top players on that show always walk away with a couple of million followers or in the one to two million range. And it's like, yeah, a hundred thousand dollars. Sure. I can make that in like two weeks doing Instagram stories that the real prize is that yeah. that number that you walk away with. Yeah. At least that's how I see it. I didn't know that the the challenge though was giving away 500k. That's significant. Yeah, they they give away a good amount. The All-Stars version doesn't give away as much, but the main challenge it, it's like decent. It's good money. Hmm. So what is your favorite? You said you you've dipped a little bit into the Bachelor. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Describe your your bachelor journey. So I. When so, when is the first season you remember? So I rem I watched Rachel Lindsay's season uh, most of it. That was the first season. Well, I should take that back. I watched the Jake Pavelka season like back in the day, but I mm. I sort of, sort of like half watched it, and I just thought he was really hot, and I was like, oh, I'll watch it. 
And then I watch Rachel's season and I love Rachel. Rachel's a friend of mine. She's been on my show. I love her. And uh, she, I watched most of her season, but I was still sort of new. So I was kind of getting the lay of the land of like what's going on. And then I recapped on my show, the uh, Tasha season. Mm -hmm. And it was maybe a bad time because we were in the pandemic and it was, (laughs) I was watching it. I was so, can I swear here? I was so fucking sick of the La Quinta Inn. So, yes. I was so tired of La Quinta and it just felt so claustrophobic to me. And, and also it was so intense for me to be taking notes because The Bachelor is such a large time commitment. And I have to take like notes as I'm re- watching to recap to do that while also doing all the Bravo shows I cover. I was like exhausted by that. Oh, of I can't imagine. That's a lot. <laughs> and The Bachelor fans are very intense as are Bravo fans, but uh, it was just too much. All of it was too much for me. Do you feel like the Bravo fans and the Bachelor Nation fans are intense in different ways? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I think the Bravo fans, and correct me if I'm wrong, I th- they have like a, 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 a very sarcastic sense of humor and almost like a, I found the Bachelor fans a little more earnest um, hmm. And I don't know if that's accurate. That's just kind of like ob- observing it, at least the people that would reach out to me in, in the recaps and stuff like that. It, it felt like they more earnestly are watching, whereas the Bravo fans sometimes are, mm-hmm. a lot of them are watching it to make fun of the show, if that makes sense. I completely agree with that summary. I feel like the Bravo fans embrace character more and they're like, I love this villain character kind of thing, as opposed to Bachelor Nation fans where... They, uh, they like to tear down the, the villains. Yeah, and, and with Bravo, I think they train you. And because we're with the people for a, a longer period of time, Bravo almost trains the viewer to mm. like someone one season and then they're the villain the next season. So they train you to turn on these people and then love them. Mm. And so I don't feel like Bravo viewers have as much of, certainly people have their favorites, but I don't think there's as much of like a blind loyalty to people. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, if you like some, you might hate them in a couple episodes and, and that's fun. There's also like the, the format of the game is different in that there's no real punishment, at least in terms of the game architecture for housewives, for example, you can get kicked off of those shows, but it's not like somebody's getting kicked off every week. So in the, the game mm-hmm. structure of the bachelor, it's like, we don't like that person, get them off the show. And now we're just watching and waiting until the villain gets their comeuppance, which again, in the Bravo shows doesn't necessarily ever happen. A villain can stay on the show for many, many seasons in a row, you know? Right. And our villains are always shifting. Mm -hmm. It's like every single time you think some, this season on The Real Houses in New Jersey, there's a woman named Dolores. And I feel like this is the first season where she's kind of getting a villain edit. (sighs) I haven't watched this season yet. Really? It's still early on, but I'm I'm starting to notice or pick up on the fact that they're kind of painting her in the villain role, which is what they do with all of these women who join the housewife. Eventually they're all going to be a villain, mm-hmm. but it's with her. She's, yeah. she's always been such a lovable. I think uh, people always kind of like love Dolores, but, and, and she never really co- contributes a lot to like the dramatic roller coaster of, of what's going on. And it feels like this season, I could be wrong. Maybe by the end, it'll be someone different or, or not her, but right now that's what it's feeling like. Yeah. I feel like her storyline has been like, Ooh, does Dolores's partner deserve her? Right. Just low key simmering storyline. 
Yeah. Yeah. She's never the star. She's never the star of the drama. If I may ask this question, you've covered TV, pop culture for every outlet basically that exists on planet Earth, BuzzFeed, Us Weekly, all this kind of stuff. You have your own podcast. You have all, a bunch of books. This Your new book that has just come out isn't your only book. You have a bunch of books in the kind of pop culture world. Well, I was a, I was a ghostwriter before, so this is like my first little baby, but the other ones I was I was a ghostwriter for, which um, not, we love that, but we, we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was a different experience. We love that. I'm yeah. just saying, I'm, I'm just using this to illustrate like you've been in the world of pop culture and TV coverage for a long time. It's obviously a huge part of your life. This is something that Lizzie and I talk about a lot. Like we never wanted this. This chose us. You know what I mean? It just kind of happened. How do you feel about pop culture covering it and like doing your podcast? How do you feel about it becoming such a huge part of your life? You know, I, I love it. I think of when I was a kid, I, I talk about this all the time, but like Rosie O'Donnell's show was like everything to me. And so mm -hmm. the idea that I get to have a show where I could talk about what I like in TV and movies and, and interview people sometimes. And it's just like what I dreamed of as a kid every night going to bed. So I feel lucky that I get to kind of make a living at it now. And, uh, it's just, I, I remember going to sleep at night being like, oh my God, I want to be, I don't know, host my own Rosie O'Donnell show or, you know, get to talk to these celebrities, which I grew up in Ohio and they, it all seems so far out of reach, right? Like the mm -hmm. world of TV and film and stuff. I was obsessed with movies and going to my video store and all that stuff, but it, it just seemed like a different world. And so to be able to get to talk to people who make movies and stuff like that, just, it's kind of wild to me. I interviewed Miss Piggy recently and it was like, I... I, I was on like cloud nine for at least two weeks, but I, I almost like couldn't wrap my head around it because I was just, it just felt like such an out of body more than anything else I've done. It was like so out of body to me that I was talking to like, and it was only on zoom and it was a quick little interview, but it was like the Miss Piggy. I was like, what is, what is going on? And <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, wait, and it might be out of body because you're interviewing a puppet, <laughs> right? I mean, it, but they, you know, when you're, um, they set it up. You're, the performer is is Miss Piggy, and you you feel like you're talking to Miss Piggy. I mean, you you are. They like don't break even between because we did it. I did it over Zoom, and it was like even before the recording, you're talking to the Miss Piggy. Like, there's no. She's like testing one, two, three, four. <laughs> And over Zoom too, as we all do when we get on these things, it's like making sure the lighting's good and the everyone can hear on the thing. And yeah, like the the puppeteer or I, do they mm -hmm. call themselves that? They're Miss Piggy. The whole, and I, I interviewed a few of the Muppets and they were all wow. the same. It was like Gonzo is Gonzo. They were in character 100 100% of the time. Yeah. You know, I in my younger days, I used to work at this little ad agency and we would make a bunch of... Um, like 15 and 30 second TV commercials for Buena Vista home video, which was Disney's home video arm for a long time. And so we'd always have to record the various voice actors that played certain Disney characters, like in the canon of it. And once that voice is locked in, that's it. Like that person is that character. And I remember we had to do Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, which were a married couple, by the way. In real life, they were married? In real life, married. They did not speak until they were reading the script. And they were 
purely in character the whole time. And they had like a whole team of lawyers come in with them. So, cause they didn't want people to be like, Hey, would you record my like voicemail message as Mickey mouse? They wouldn't do any of that shit. It was like, here's the script. And it was just like, <clears throat> Hey there, I'm Mickey mouse. <laughs> like, and that was it. That's all they did. And then they walked out in silence. Whoa. It was one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in my life. Creepy. That's crazy. That's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But I guess cute. They're married. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're the only two people on planet Earth who can truly understand each other. I know that's they found each other and never, never looked for anyone else. Uh, in college, I interned for like a Cleveland morning show, and the camera guy was uh, his name was I think L, and he was the voice of You've Got Mail. Like he oh, was the what? original, like, and he also did. Uh, remember back in the day when they had You've Got Pictures? He was that voice. Uh, and everyone would walk up to him and ask him to do like You've Got Mail, mm. and. I always think like if if that's how it was for him, I couldn't even imagine if you're Mickey Mouse or something, how many people would come up to you and say, record this for me. But that was just them. There was another guy named Brian Cummings who would do like knockoff voices. Like they did the um, Aladdin animated series and it was like Robin Williams wasn't going to do the fucking genie in their (laughs) cartoon show. So they got this guy, Brian Cummings, to do that genie. And he also was Winnie the Pooh. And he was like a bunch of... Uh, characters like that. That guy was like constantly doing cartoon voices, didn't give a shit. He'd do your voicemail for you, you know, like he didn't care. So some mm. of them were were uh, able to do that shit, I guess. But it's always fascinating. I wanted to ask Sweetenums to do Bring Her Home to Us, but I couldn't. I'm sure she gets it all the time. <laughs> so speaking of all these celebrities that you've interviewed and everything, you are now a celebrity in your own right. Did you ever think that your coverage yes. of pop culture and doing this, uh, your podcast, your books, everything that you're doing... Did you ever think that you yourself would become a pop culture icon? No, I just feel so, I mean, with the book coming out, I just feel so lucky. I, I've always loved sort of the essay collection format of a book. I, mm-hmm. The idea that I got to have my own out, it's always been a dream that I I never really thought that I'd be able to do. And, and like I said, I was a ghostwriter for so long, like writing other people's stories which for a creative person, it can be really stifling and frustrating because you can't, you're not writing in your own voice. And there'd be times I'd be writing something and I'd like want to throw in a joke there or a reference there or something. And you just can't, if it doesn't sound like the person whose book it is. So I just feel it's, if it's like very creatively fulfilling to just mm-hmm. be able to do this book and, and get it out to people. And, and so far the response has been really good, which is, is also very gratifying because when I was trying to get this book out, a lot of the publishers, I, I would meet with people and they wanted me to do like a oral history type books on on mm. like Vanderpump Rules or Bravo mm. or something. And it just, uh, I didn't know, I, I kind of had this idea for this book forever. And so being able to make it work and and be able to tell my own stories has been so creatively gratifying. By the way, The stories are hilarious. I haven't gotten all the way through the book, but I really enjoyed them. And I feel like it really, it really puts you in an era. I specifically think of the like, what is it? The cootie. The cootie catcher. The cootie catcher. And just that leading to this drama. It's just excellent. And I think, I think people are going to love it. Thank you, Lizzie. Yeah. And it's super funny too. It's it's hilariously written, but also like, you know, these stories are at least for my reading, they're like heartfelt and they mm-hmm. do teach you something not only about your life, but I think things that people can identify yeah. with no matter who they are, where they grew up and all that. Do you have more of these stories? Is there a second book Ooh. in the works? 
There, I, I hope, yeah, I, there is a second book. Hopefully I'll be able to do that. I do have, I, I did continue writing. And so, yeah, each story I want, each chapter I wanted to feel like its own story that just kind of makes people laugh. There's a couple of dramatic ones in there too, but for the most part, I wanted people to be able to kind of check out and relive the nostalgia and have a few laughs and all that kind of stuff. But um, I kept writing. And so I do have a plan and everything for the next book, but I don't know. We need people to buy this one. So they let me do another one. Uh, we're well aware of that entire system. <laughs> how that works. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are going to be coming on my show. We're going to be talking. I'm going to be asking you all sorts of questions about your book too, but I know, but we're not professional. We should have the book up behind us. You guys can't see this, but Danny's got his two books on either <laughs> side of him, a la Chris Harrison and the, the, what was it? The little secret letter. The best letter or something. Most romantic <laughs> letter. I, don't, I forget what it was. I'd write the best letters. That's what it was called. Maybe it wasn't that effective. Well, <laughs> I should say my boyfriend wanted to, he, initially we had like this bookshelf and he like layered a bunch of them. And I was like, that's too much. Like I look crazy because <laughs> I'm doing some of these Zooms. Yeah. And it just looked like completely unhinged. But um, so actually this is like scaled down to what we almost did. I'm going to go get a stack before we do yours and just put them behind me and just be like, <laughs> the book. Just a, book, a wall yeah. of our book. I live in a house made of our book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just interviewed someone I don't want um who had was like literally surrounded. Like it was like books everywhere. Might as well. Any screen time with the book is good screen time. Let me ask you this. You've you've uh watched who knows how many hours of reality television. You are an expert at it. You've interviewed so many luminaries from all different reality TV shows. What do you think is the future of reality television? Where is it headed? Well, I guess I can speak to, well, hmm. I think going back to that naturalistic tone, like we talked about the real world, I think sort of scaling back and starting to find people who aren't as versed in reality TV, I think that's going to be a challenge in terms of casting. I agree. Uh, and I think moving forward, something that MTV has done really well, Bravo sort of dipped their toe in it. And certain times I feel like they dip in and then dip back, which is breaking the fourth wall. I think that's mm -hmm. what audiences want more mm. because I think we're all so savvy with how this game works for all of these shows. And so- I think the more that they can show us, um, the example I always give is Teen Mom, which I don't watch regularly, but recently I do know that they now have producers on camera talking to them and saying, you know, here's what we got to do. And so oh, wow. it's completely like the fourth wall is completely broken uh, on that. And Bravo, occasionally there'll be a scene this past week on Jersey. It's like we saw producers step in, but they'll give us like a little taste. And I think going forward, it's going to be great when a show just, um, when, when all of the shows just kind of break that and show us the producers on camera, show us the casting of the shows, show us the firings, show us the meetings. I think that is what we're going to want. And I don't know when it'll come. I think they're all sort of scared to do that, but. Oh, yeah. they're terrified. Especially like if you look at The Bachelor, because that formula has worked so well for so long. But can you imagine a season of The Bachelor that is shot docu-series style about the players and the psychological torture they're going through? It would be so good. That would be fascinating. It'll never happen. They will never break that format that they do now. But God damn, I would love to see a version of it like yeah. that. I love the dipping the toe, though. And they do that in the reunions where they like come back before they've officially come back on camera and they get the little asides of like, do you think I did good? Yeah, I think you did good. And they're like adjusting their clothes and stuff. People 
eat that shit up. Yeah. And now they do it on every reunion that yeah. to the point where now I think they like plan little things to do in it. Uh, there's a show called Vanderpump Rules, and I think one of the most frustrating <laughs> things about the newest season. I love Vanderpump Rules. Well, so the newest season, though, it was so annoying that they had fired publicly fired all of these people from the last before the last season. Yeah, and then never addressed it on camera. And I felt like uh, we're all going fucking nuts. We can we know that you let go of the half of the original cast. So I'm not saying we need to make every episode about that, but the audience is like sitting there like, why isn't anyone addressing the elephant in the room? Where's Jax? Where's Stassi? Where's Brittany? Where's Kristen? Most importantly. Wouldn't it have been great to get the people who were left there to Mm -hmm. say, I want to know how, how did they feel about it? Were, were they on board with this? Did they understand it? Did they think they should have stuck around? Like, I don't. I felt like there was so much content to mine, but they were like you had said, Chad, like so afraid to do it. Yes, they're so afraid to acknowledge anything outside the pattern that they have created for the structure of these shows. What they don't understand, and I, this is to your point as well, where we are now as a reality television audience is very savvy. We know how these shows are made. We're following all of the news about these shows. We're following all of the players in these shows on social media. We know about the world that exists outside of it, this peripheral world. But I think the people making the media still want to ignore that. I mean, the fucking Bachelor wants to ignore that like Instagram even exists. It's so weird. Let alone talk about how it's affected the game or anything. And they punish players for talking about it. They just, at least in The Bachelor, which is our expertise or my expertise, I should say, Lizzie knows a lot about housewives that I I don't have that acumen. But in The Bachelor, it's like they just don't fucking get it. They don't understand that the thing they're making actually is bigger in social media than it is on the network airwaves. And they need to be at least acknowledging that, if not catering directly to it. And I agree mm-hmm. with you. I think that that is the next wave of reality television. It's understanding that like the show itself is just one component of the overall world you've created for the fandom and that you need to service that fandom in the show itself. I think that's coming. I, I agree with you very soon in the next couple of years, hopefully. Yeah. And with uh Vanderpump rules, it's like even people who weren't engrossed in like the social media stuff and everything, like people like us who were talking about these shows and everything. It's like my brother and sister-in-law in Ohio, they only just watch the shows. They don't really mm-hmm. follow any of them on social media, whatever. Mm-hmm. But even they were confused of like, oh, they watched these other people. Why isn't anyone talking about how half of these other people that they we got to know so well were, are just missing? For six seasons. And then also the show went on to have almost zero buzz. Like that season, the most recent season had no buzz. And it's like, if you were ever going to take a swing or a shot to do something to change up the the way that they do these shows by addressing all that stuff. It was like, now's the time to do it because you can't really, otherwise the shows, there's nothing that anyone's going to be talking about. At least that would give something for people to buzz about a little bit, uh, you know? I don't know what you're saying. My feed was blowing up about Katie and Ariana's sandwich shop uh, <laughs> endeavors. Oh, yeah, okay, Lizzie, sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> You and I will go. We'll have a date to the sandwich shop when it opens. I mean, I will be going. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. So we're and we're doing these storylines too. That it's like we almost can feel how fake they are, and it's like, just give us the real uh, stuff. Yeah. Like the audience is too smart now for that. You can't fool us. Yeah, people love people love Vanderpump because of all the shit that came out in the first couple of seasons that the producers didn't even know was happening. Yeah, and then you get these fake storylines. Like there was. 
I guess a season or two ago, it was like Tom Schwartz was headed to Vegas and he accidentally, uh, Lisa Vanderpump put her bra in his suitcase. And like, it was this big thing. And it was just like, oh, come on. Every storyline with Lisa is like that. It's like, just, we need some way to get her in the show. And I just wish they would just (laughs) let her kind of be the mother hen and she just don't even come on the show much. If you don't have a natural storyline with the person appear once in a while and everyone would love it, but we don't need these like fake kind of things because it's just, it's cringe. And I, I don't get why they do it or, and I don't know. I don't get it. I think there's a a possibility that especially housewives, because there's so many of them, maybe they do start to push one into like real pro wrestling territory where it's all clearly fake. And the, I mean, very, very crazy fake. You know what I mean? Even faker than it is now. I could see something like that potentially doing well also. Well, we, we got to wrap up here quickly, but what is, you probably have answered this a million times. What is your favorite housewives franchise? You know, it used to be New York. The most recent season Mm -hmm. of New York, I didn't love, uh, I think Potomac always delivers. And the second season of uh, Salt Lake City, I think was phenomenal. You know, we're just wrapping it up now, but I think it's one of the best seasons we've ever had. And then finally, I've been rewatching Atlanta season two and it's like, God, so good. The Nini, the Nini Kim dynamic. I hadn't rewatched it in a while, but it's just truly some of the best TV there ever was. Yeah, her and Kim were absolutely amazing. I love those early Atlanta. I feel like I gave you just like six answers. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Chad has never watched A Real Housewives, so I forced him to start watching SLC. So he's on season one. But you got to push through for season two because it's bananas. I love the seasons where someone gets arrested. Yeah, Chad, you have to keep on going. Yeah. I was entertained. I'm not saying I wasn't, but it's like... We call our fandom of being in The Bachelor being in the pit. I could see another pit opening before me. And I'm like, I can only stay in one pit. You were too into it. I could feel the pull. And I was like, I have to turn away from this or it's going to fucking destroy my life. Because as you know, with with both of these franchises, there is so much. There is all the social media, the blogs and everything. Yes. And it, it's overwhelming. It's a lot. Exactly. And at this point, I'm a professional viewer of The Bachelor. I can't really watch another reality show with any less involvement. Like, I I feel like I have to be at this level now constantly. And so I'm just like, I don't know if I can fucking go down that pit. Not yet. Yeah. I'll get there. Yeah. I'm only on Facebook for my secret Vanderpump Rules group. Lizzie, I I love that you're a big Vanderpump Rules. I'm going to ask you a bunch of that on my podcast. So get ready. Oh, perfect. It's I think it's one of the best shows ever. Um, okay, last question. I recently listened to the episode where you did an impression of Steve on And Just Like That. And I'm sorry. Chad, Chad also has an impression of Steve, so I just thought we should we should talk about that. Okay. And I love your theory that he's leaning into his accent because of his hearing loss is like his only storyline. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they did with the Steve character, but I just have to say, as a Steve stan, like I've always loved Steve so much. And so- it, A Steve stan. Yeah, like I love that. I've always thought he was like one of the best men on that show and he's he just so nice and everything. And so I didn't love what they did to him. I didn't like the evolution of what they did. I think they just sort of just threw his character away. And the whole time he's just, Miranda, Miranda, just like, are you a lesbian now? I, mine's sort of like a Carol Channing. <laughs> Clues, underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. 
and there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. 
Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. <laughs> I, try to, I try to really hit it. I'm like, <clears throat> let me get into it here. Miranda, you just want to throw away our relationship that we've had for so long? Well, I met someone else, Steve. Oh, okay. That's how he sounds to me. I like that you lead into how he's confused. Yours is definitely more gruff, too. Like, I feel like mine's just Carol Channing. And yours is like a much, much more manly... uh, Proper tone. <laughs> I, I agree with you, though. The, the the going deaf thing, like that became his entire character. And he just spoke super slow and was like just kind of slothing around the house. Always. Miranda. Miranda. Who is the Shade Diaz character? Why'd you say Miranda? Why? What? He yeah. was doing that? Too much. It was bizarre. Way too much. He got lost at the farmer's market or something. And, then, <laughs> and even like... um. I always thought Steve would have been really good at sex, like the and but now he couldn't even didn't even know how to finger his wife in the kitchen, and it was like, come on, no. I don't know, I uh, just you never knew that hearing was such a an integral sense to being able to perform in the kitchen. Yeah, I didn't like it, and oh. I didn't like how she just sort of left him, and and they I didn't even feel like they had proper closure on it. It was just like, okay, bye, and then she ran off to Cleveland, which we never got to see the Cleveland episode. She went to go visit. <gasps> they built it up as if we're going to see Miranda in Cleveland with Jay Diaz, and then. It was just skipped away from it. Yeah. And just like that is an example, just like Vanderpump, where I will watch every episode that's ever made, me too. regardless of what happens. Totally. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I couldn't get into it. Kim Cattrall was not in it. I could not get into mm. it. She was missed. She was missed. I hated it, and I'll watch every episode. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you, Danny, for being with us here in the bottom of the pit. Thank you. Everybody should go listen to Everything Iconic if you don't already. It's obviously a fantastic podcast. And everybody should pick up How Do I Unremember This? Unfortunately True Stories by Danny Pellegrino. Yes, buy the book. Get to support your local bookstore. Get it from Amazon. It's a good, it's a fun read. Bring it to your spring break. Whatever you got to do, pick up the book. And pick up your book too. We got buy the books. It's perfect for spring break. Yeah, right. Support your bookstores, your authors. Read both of them. It's perfect. But thanks again, Danny, for coming with us into the pit. Thank you. Fantastic to speak with Danny Pellegrino, one of the luminaries in the contemporary, not even Bachelor coverage world, just reality television coverage, a celebrity in his own right. I was especially excited to delve into the adjacent pits to The Bachelor, the Bravo pits. And I hope we have him on the show again soon to delve even deeper. I'm sure we will. But now... We must delve deep into the movements of all the players across all their social media platforms, as well as the ratings of our beloved game. This is This Week in Games. This past Monday saw our beloved game make a rare move up in the ratings. It was slight, but any increase must be celebrated in what has been the worst rated season of The Bachelor in the game's 20-year history. The poorly constructed double rose ceremony episode dragged in a 0.67 in the 18 to 49 year old demo, up about 3% from the prior week with 3.48 million raw viewers, which was up about 7.25%. Despite the conclusion of Olympic coverage, our beloved game was still unable to give ABC a ratings win on the night coming in second place once again to NBC 
who premiered their new America's Got Talent Extreme. Maybe next time, Bachelor? We have been keeping track of a few other shows' ratings recently as they pertain to our beloved game. Fox's Joe Millionaire reboot continues to hold strong in distant fourth place out of four networks, even as it's nearing the finale with just two episodes left in the season. The ill-conceived attempt at a contemporary reality dating show bathed in the shame of a .3 in the demo with a paltry 1.5 million viewers. Roasted. (laughs) (laughs) I like roasting the Fox reality shows. They're just so fucking... Whatever. I know you like roasting him. I saw you in the comments, the Joe Millionaire comments. Very few people in them, <laughs> except clues. I, I was one of about 10, yes. And of course, we must continue to bring you updates on the greatest male Instagram player of all time, Tyler Cameron's endeavor on another equally harebrained reality concept at Fox, The Real Dirty Dancing. <laughs> the fourth episode of this sure sign that the world is ending got demolished by its Fox <laughs> Joe Millionaire counterpart. <laughs> The worst rated episode of the season so far only drew in a 0.2 in the demo with 1.3 million raw viewers. I mean, regularly getting beat by just a Tyler Cameron Instagram post at this point. You know, people always talk about peak TV because like, oh, so much good TV is being made. Well, what also comes along with peak TV is Valley TV. The worst shit is also being made right now because there's so much shit. Valley. I mean, there's so much good shit on, though, too. There's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. There's Real Housewives of New Jersey. There's Summer House. There's Snowpiercer. There's... That's what I'm saying. It's too much good shit. What are my other dystopian ones? Station Eleven. Yeah, that was really good. Very strong. But you can't keep up with it all. It's just not possible. And then by the time, like... Love is Blind. Love is Blind is great as well. You can keep track of two or three of these shows at a time, maybe. And then if you miss one that happens to coincide, like while I'm watching, let's say Station Eleven, something else pops off and I'm like, well, fuck, that one's passed me by because now there's something else new out. The churn of it Mm. is so fast. There's always like five shows that are just works of fucking art on any given time. You can't watch them all. You're going to miss them. But Real Dirty Dancing is not among them, nor is Joe Millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) That I can assure you. Right. The Valley. Yes. But the peaks, I mean, can we just talk Love is Blind season two for one second? How are are you into it? Yeah, I'm up to hometowns. And, you know, I I keep looking at it like what I really want to happen now is somebody to try and game the game. I want somebody to come in and make everybody fall in love with them in the pods and just Mm -hmm. wreck the whole fucking season. Come in with that as their motive. I don't really care if the people get married or not. I'm very uninterested in the relationships i suppose and so it gets difficult for me to continue watching after the um honeymoon phase where they all have to like meet each other and shit that's fascinating to me especially when it's like i proposed to you and you said no but now we have to have a drink together that shit's crazy oh those are the best ones when they reunite with all of the people i think that it suffers from a similar thing to love island where the great stuff is the drama leading up to the pairings. And once everyone's Mm. paired off, it's like boring. Absolutely. And some of the pairings too. This is a bit of a spoiler. If you're watching love is blind, are you okay? (laughs) You just give me a face like, Oh my God, don't do it. I was just like, okay guys, uh, skip five minutes. If you're not, haven't watched it yet. I was planning to, if you haven't watched it yet, skip ahead a little bit, but the, um, I even forget their name, Shayna and Kyle, maybe. Is that the guy she kind of winds up with or whatever? They have 
such a giant glaring incompatibility that there's absolutely no way they'll ever wind up together. But the show keeps trying to bring them back together and will they or won't they? And it's like, they won't, obviously. They won't. <laughs> well, they or won't they? They won't. <laughs> At any rate, it is a good show. Very well produced. I'm. I am a big fan of this season. I'll. I'll probably get around to watching the rest of it at some point. It's just gotten a little boring for me. I'm so into it. I started watching Brazil. Yeah, I like the game element too much to be able to like yeah. care really about the relationships. I suppose. At any rate, those are our classic. Those are the uh, <laughs> ratings for our beloved game. And now let's move on to the gains of our players across Instagram and TikTok. Here we go. As of 2-24-22, these are the gains since February 17th, 2022. We got our crown. Clayton Eckerd gained 5,000 Instagram followers this week, bringing him to a total of 190K. Good job, Clayton. I think that we should like change the tone of the impression based on his gain. So like 5K, that was a long, slow one. It deserves it. If it's good job, Clayton. Anyway, Clayton's Twitter <laughs> has gone up <laughs> 0.7K. <laughs> this is our 10th podcast episode we're recording today. <laughs> I know. FYI. Little we're a little context. loopy. <laughs> his Twitter has gone up 0.7K to 17.1K total. His TikTok, he has gained 1,131 followers. That's up 281 from last week. His pizza review is still his most watched TikTok at 7.3K views. We've been on pizza review watch. No updates yet, except for a very strong trolling parasocial play we will get to. Now let's move on to the top five Instagram gains chart for the players of Bachelor Season 26. The gold medal in gains goes to the 28-year-old wedding videographer from Virginia Beach, Susie Evans. She gained 24.1K for her humble play and her PTC on the Pretty Woman one-on-one bringing her to 89.7k total someone's knocking on the door of that 100k club finally you think she'll hit it next week yes i think so too i mean look at that game 24.1k that's another thing the pretty woman date gets yeah that's a big bump the silver medal in gains goes to 30 year old icu nurse from the denver high gabriella gabby windy she gained 15.2k followers for her group date ptc bringing her total to 64.1K total. Now we're talking about that all-important third place. The bronze medal in gains goes to the 25-year-old flight instructor from Clearmont, Florida, Rachel, Rachel, Ricky. (laughs) You fucking wrote it in there. (laughs) She gained 14.1K followers for her title play, tier play, my MVP status, bringing her to 70.2K total. Fourth place goes to the 23-year-old wealth management advisor from the New York influence, Sarah Hamrick. She gained 7K for her tier play rivalry with Mara and her last second, her last second, her last second villain edit. 
bringing her to 43.7K total. And rounding out the top five, fifth place in gains goes to the 26-year-old bartender from the LA Icons, Genevieve Parisi. She gained 6.6K this week for her therapy wall play and swan song exit bump, bringing her to 74.5K total. And now for the top five total Instagram followers chart as of today, 224-2022. Still no one has joined that 100K club yet, but the closest is number one, the wedding videographer from Virginia Beach, Susie Evans. She finally stole the lead this week with 89.7K total. But that bartender from the LA icons, Genevieve Parisi, is still hanging on strong to second place at 74.5K. Oh, terrifying. (laughs) Flight instructor Rachel Rachel Reckia is close in third with 70.2K total. I'm literally losing my mind. Denver High's Gabby (laughs) Windy comes in fourth place at 64.1K total. And rounding out the top five is Elizabeth Corrigan with 50.1K. Damn. How many of these players do you think will actually make 100K by the end of the season? Three? You think it'll be the top three? Top four. Well, here's the thing. Serene, not even in this chart. Not close. In the top four. Didn't get the highest game. She had a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. She is at 18.7K. So she's absolutely not in there. I agree. So, yeah, top three. You're looking at Susie Evans. You're looking at Rachel Rachel And you're looking at Gabby Windy. Yeah. That's my guess. Have a shot, and then maybe they can pull off something in paradise. Yeah. I mean, it's possible we'll see some Hail Marys at the Women Tell All. Oh, yeah. Very much looking forward to that episode, but... Which shot this week. Yeah. So I believe next week we get Hometowns, and then Women Tell All, I think, is the following week. Mm. So we'll see. We'll see what these players can do to boost up these numbers. But now we're going to move on to the top five TikTok chart of February 24th, 2022. Almost unchanged since last week. Daria Rose, the 24-year-old law student and night one girl from Baldwin, New York, is holding on to first place at 40.2K followers. Haley Malls has 31.5K total in second place. You got Susie Evans in third place at 23K. Lindsay Windham at 16.6K in fourth. And fifth place, Elizabeth Corrigan, 11.4K. And the biggest gain overall was Rachel Recchia, who gained 3,043 followers now at 4.4K total. If she would do a cover of her the song that is her name, that might boost her up. Just putting it out there. All she has to do is just put that song on, shake her head in the video. You know what I would like to see a video from Rachel Recchia of? Pizza reviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should be doing pizza reviews if you're not doing pizza reviews on tiktok you're not fucking doing tiktok (laughs) she should go into a starbucks and order a drink and when they're like can i have your name please she should then start singing rachel rachel reckia rachel reckia rachel rachel reckia and just sing it for like five minutes that's hilarious rachel reckia this is free for you to use just a concept enjoy more more free ideas for Rachel Reckia from Clues. That's right. Now let's move on to the biggest happenings in our beloved nation. This is... Bachelor Nation News. First up, 
In Bachelor Nation News, the demigod, Demi Burnett, revealed this week that she has been diagnosed with autism. Burnett broke the news in a series of slides to her main grid that now has over 42,000 likes. The caption read, Maybe a trigger warning. I don't know, but heads up. I did a psychological evaluation and I'm autistic. There's a huge stigma when it comes to autism. I encourage you to be open-minded and accepting. Burnett exploded into our beloved game way back in season 23 as a player vying for the affection of then-closeted bachelor Colton Underwood. She made such a strong impact as a colorful narrator that producers brought her back for multiple date hosting duties in the next seasons of Bachelor and Bachelorette, as well as two successive runs on VIP Season 6 and 7. It was in Season 6 that she made history by proposing to girlfriend Christian Haggerty in the first same-sex engagement in the franchise. The Demigod currently has 1.1 million followers on Instagram and 284.8K on TikTok. She is a valuable member of the Los Angeles Icons, and she celebrated her 27th birthday on the 21st of this month. Happy birthday, Demigod, and welcome to the club. Which club? The Autism Club. Oh. <laughs> I was like, is that a number? Speaking of The Bachelor, the kissing bandit Ari Leyendijk Jr. and his second choice for wife, Lauren Leyendijk, are in the news this week. Earlier this month, the 22nd Bachelor commemorated his vasectomy with a YouTube video in which he compared the medical procedure to being kicked, quote-unquote, being kicked in the nuts as hard as someone could kick you. Ouch. But now, just a few weeks after his elective sterilization, there's a complication. Lauren might want more kids. That's right. The blonde brunette mother of the three most powerful parasocial children in our beloved game told Us Weekly, I wasn't necessarily ready to close that chapter yet, just because I know it's hard right now with three kids under three, but once we're out of this space, I might want another one. But now that the gray-haired luxury real estate salesman is firing blanks, Lauren maintained that adoption would always be an option, if not a vasectomy reversal. Well, Ari, looks like you might be getting kicked in the nuts one more time if your second choice for wife gets what she wants. Of course, we wish the entire Lion Dyke family well, including those members who may not even exist yet. Speaking of the children of Bachelor Nation, one of the most storied Paradise players of all time, Amanda Stanton, is in the news this week. The one-time object of Josh Murray's non-pizza-related affection <laughs> took, her, <laughs> took to her Instagram story this week to render her opinion about the therapy group date from Monday's game. She wrote, we have been watching The Bachelor this season, and I have to say, something about the multiple therapy dates this season is rubbing me the wrong way. I understand where they were trying to go with it, dot, 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 but forcing girls to open up on national TV and then literally judging their sessions or sending them home and making them feel bad if they don't open up enough is just not it. There's a reason therapy is a private thing, and I don't think this is a good representation of therapy or helping end the stigma around mental health. Just had to say it. What Stanton fails to realize in this valid critique is that the entire game, whether presented in a fake therapy session or not, is based on the premise of forcing players to open up emotionally so they can be judged and eliminated. What do you think of this in terms of this date? 
in terms of representing therapy? It has not resembled therapy that I have participated in. <laughs> no. <laughs> You've never traveled to Vienna and, and sat in Sigmund Freud's giant mansion office or whatever the fuck that was and had to go in one after another with the same person? Not yet. Right. And I think the competitive element of it really, really hurts the idea of therapy as a whole. I think that their better representation of therapy was what they did with Brad Womack on his second round as Bachelor when he had a bunch of he had his therapist on camera for a bunch of sessions about him not being able to open up basically but i don't think that it probably encouraged a lot of people to get into therapy it looks traumatizing yeah i mean we discussed this when we were doing the recap the purpose of this therapy group date was the same as when they do uh lie detector Mm -hmm. it's essentially that they the producers are controlling what that therapist is saying and who she's going to be you know when she's like somebody was just being performative the producers definitely made her say that and so whatever was going on in those therapy sessions much of which i assume we didn't actually get to see like was she doing an hour with each one of them probably not right I have no idea. Her her hair held up the whole time, so, which makes me think it was short. I bet they each got like 15 minutes, maybe, tops. I don't know, but wouldn't you want it to go longer to get all the content you can? I don't know. I I think therapy is a wonderful thing for anyone who's listening to this and was put off. Try it. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely interesting. I mean, I, I agree with what Amanda Stanton is saying here. Again, my... My only complaint is that, like, this is what the whole show is. It forces you into these emotionally vulnerable moments. Then it judges you for whatever you do in them. And then it eliminates you. Everyone but one player gets eliminated. So 29 out of 30 players are getting eliminated for something, whether it's in the guise of this fake therapy session or any of the other things that they open up about or do or say in the course of the game. That's literally what the whole show is, judging people based on what we're seeing. There's been a few housewives have gone to therapy as like a launch point for their storyline, which I feel like works for them. But yeah, as a competitive group date, essentially a play for time. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Do you think that forced therapy is better or worse than forced violence and forced nudity? They're all bad. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But which is the worst? Which would be the worst for me? The forced violence. Okay. Interesting. What would be your fuck, marry, kill, forced violence, forced nudity, forced therapy? (laughs) I fuck. I mean, you got to fuck forced nudity, don't you? Yeah. But then you're marrying forced therapy. No, I'm marrying forced violence. Oh my God. You chose violence. Yeah. Maybe, you know what? Let me switch that around. I'm fucking forced violence. I'm marrying forced nudity, killing forced therapy. That's nice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's That's all all the the news news that's fit to (laughs) say to you all on the podcast today. Oh my God. And now for Ah. the portion where we discuss what's happening on our phones and on our computers and inside the head of Musk's pigs. This is the parasocial play, 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 play of the week. Paradise Twirler and Villain Edit recipient Blake 
Balakai Horseman commemorated the possible start of World War III with a main grid Instagram post today, reposting user at hey.i.am.bika, a blue background with the words, I'm a foreigner and I want to support Ukraine. What can I do? Then the following posts include text saying, support the Ukrainian army, check your news sources to make sure they say Russian-Ukrainian war instead of Ukrainian crisis, and bonus points if you're Russian to speak up. Belakai is the only player that I have seen make a main grid post so far, although several others have been posting in their stories. How will other players post parasocially as the war unfolds? Time will tell. Indeed it will. Former Crown Katie Thurston posted an Instagram reel in which she reveals that she has inverted nipples. This video has 679,000 views and 24.2K likes. She also has started a 31-day experimental video diary in which she's declared that she's trying to reclaim her truest self. The first entry has 266,000 views. She continues to create. She continues to get these big numbers on her engagement. Good for for Katie Thurston. She's like the last lead, really. I mean, it's recent, but she's the last lead to be this active parasocially and this dominant, I feel like. Mm -hmm. We didn't see it from Michelle Young. We're obviously not seeing it from the Elizabeth Viking. Not yet, but... The pizza reviews are coming. <laughs> he's he's lying in wait. The pizza reviews are coming. This is what we're all telling ourselves to get through this week. Uh, <laughs> I've already forgotten what I've written. AI generated Android who may or may not have her own separate chamber on the show. Susie Evans celebrated... We saw the chamber. Celebrated receiving first flower this week with her friends in a 12-second video. In it, they scream as her name is read by the ultimate Viking, and Susie raises her wine bottle and wine glass, which is notably the goat's wine, spade, and sparrows. She's playing this game on another level. This video has 186.7K views on Instagram and 67.7K views on TikTok. Where'd she get the wine? You think she bought that wine or you think somebody gave her that wine? Mm, Was she on that wine pod? You think Bristow's grooming her? You think Bristow's basically saying, here's a bottle of wine to the next bachelorette. Welcome to the sisterhood. Is the Spade and Sparrows a subtle indication that she has already been crowned? Either way, it exemplifies an amazing game. She's either so far in that Bristow's sending her free wine, or she's so such a student that she's like, here's a little subtle play. I'm going to put my little Spade and Sparrows in this and get her attention. Yes. Clearly, this was not by happenstance. It was very planned, whatever it was. And uh, I'm looking very forward to seeing what... Susie Evans can do outside of her chamber. Did you watch that video? Yes. It's such high quality. I know. It looks like it's shot on like a movie camera. It's very good. She's got her social media team in place, ready to roll. Yeah. She's going to try and get whatever she can out of this experience. That's for sure. You know, hopefully she'll break 100,000 fucking followers, but uh, she's good. Parasocially, she's very good. And I'm Mm -hmm. very excited to watch what she does. Moving on. Susie Evans was also involved in yet another parasocial play when famous actress Debbie Ryan responded to a tweet theorizing on Susie Evans' doppelganger parents. Ryan quoted the greatest parental player of all time, 
Barbara Weber, a.k.a. Sweet Nums, and tweeted, in quotes, so excited for my daughter to come to hometowns. Bring her home to us. <laughs> CC colon at, then Susie said. <laughs> that tweet has 8.7K likes, and Susie retweeted it with the comment, this is the tweet. This is the one. Hashtag The Bachelor. I laughed so hard at this. For for Debbie Ryan to be so deep in the pit to say, bring her home to us. I mean... But the tweet, just to explain this a little more... Yeah, it might be confusing. The tweet was Hannah Brown and Debbie Ryan side by side as Susie Evans' parents. These were all extraordinary plays. Don't get us wrong. Don't get it twisted. But there can only be one winner. Our parasocial play of the week goes to the ultimate Viking and pizza reviewer, Country Clayton. Let's go. Clayton trolled the fourth audience this week in his Instagram stories. He posted a boomerang video of a pizza that said, about to do a pizza review. Then the next slide was a picture of just the cardboard box with the pizza fully consumed that said, all caps, psych, five exclamation points. Bye. I cannot remember seeing trolling on this level by a current crown, teasing a possible pizza review. It's iconic. It's not hard to do, but he fully tricked me. <laughs> I got to tell you. What we're seeing of the Ultimate Viking, a.k.a. Country Clayton, a.k.a. Football Head, a.k.a. Let's Go Clayton, a.k.a. Good Job Clayton, what we're seeing of him in the document, they're cutting him into a full edit. A.k.a. What the Eck. I haven't heard that one. Um, <laughs> they're cutting him a little bit into a villain, it seems like. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're getting an accurate representation of him. When I saw this parasocial play, this hilarious trolling of the fourth audience with this fucking pizza review thing. I was like, this dude's fucking hilarious. This is really actually fucking funny. And we're not seeing any of that in the show. This is exactly what I remember watching Matt James season when he did his charcuterie boards. And I was like, mm -hmm. Matt James is hilarious. Where is this in the document? Exactly correct. Why don't we see any of these men's personalities? I don't know. I don't know why they do that. It's the cutting of the show. But this parasocial play was fantastic. Thank you, Ultimate Viking, for delivering it <laughs> unto us. I look forward to either pizza reviews or some more trolls, whatever's coming in the future. It was fantastic. I mean, trolling about pizza, it's so wholesome. Yes. So congratulations, Ultimate Viking. And now let's move on to another award. This is the Parasocial Creature of the Week. This week, we give the award to Percy, Nate Olakoya's dog. He celebrated his first birthday in style. Tongue out, birthday hat on, parasocial gaze focused directly at the viewer in what is only the fourth main grid post on his personal Instagram. This post has 25.1K likes, 351 comments, and Percy now boasts an impressive 2,211 followers. Happy B-Day, Percy. Many more to come. By the way, the caption reads, smiling, laughing emoji. I know this is ridiculous, but he's my best friend. So here we are. Happy first birthday, bud balloon emoji. It's so cute. So cute. Percy's a fucking cute dog, period. Side note, Grace Ann Parks, our social media manager, has put a bunch of these together. And under the creature awards, she has written all caps, don't forget about this, which I think is so funny. Indeed. Have we forgotten? We probably have. Yes, we have. It's our fault. 
And now we are going to move on to that section of our program in which Pace Case and I descend deep into the darkest waters of the pit to issue forth our screams about how this show is affecting our lives in virtually every way at this point. This is Screams from the Pit! So I don't know if this can technically count as a scream because technically this is the second time this has happened to me. But uh, this scream happened last week. Uh, I think enough time has passed to let it sink in. I was doing one of the most popular bachelor-type dates, a picnic in the park Mm. with my partner the other day. And two is a sparse park. Almost no one is out here. Then two people approached us. These were humans? They were humans. Human people? I believe. And they had a clipboard, and they were gathering signatures for a candidate for a local election in a district that I didn't live in. But then they said, also, I love your podcast, Game of Roses, to me. And I have no idea. I don't know how they recognized me. I was wearing sunglasses. Presumably, I was not speaking loud enough for everyone in the park to hear. It's a mystery. But shout out to these two. I hope your candidate is a good one. And if they are a good one, that they win. <laughs> it's very conditional. But uh, I think that's fantastic. And obviously, they they recognized you from the videos that we make, the social media that you post, all kinds of stuff, your appearances on Chatty Broads, et cetera, et cetera. I suppose. Mm, yeah, it's a, it's a very strange, it's a very strange thing. <laughs> yes. Well, I hope you're getting used to it. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. As you can see, I'm very used to it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it was at least a pleasant experience. It was. They've all been pleasant experiences, even at the Grove. That's great. All that happened. Yeah. I Look, I count the Grove as a pleasant experience for sure, overall. And certainly in retrospect, you know, yeah. five years, 10 years from now, we'll look back on that and laugh even more than we do now at how absurd the whole thing was and bizarre and like fun and whatever. Yeah, I'm laughing already. I was laughing as it was happening. I know. <laughs> My screen this week is something else that made me laugh pretty fucking hard. So Uh to preface this screen, there is someone who handles our social media and does a fantastic job with it named the Dark Seeker, Grace Ann Parks. Uh I was in the habit of, I was logged into the Game of Roses TikTok account. That was just the account that I used to like watch TikTok. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got a reprimand from the Dark Seeker (laughs) this week. What do you she, mean? Sent me, she sent me a message that said, can you not use the Game of Roses TikTok? You're messing up the algorithm because she <laughs> wants to have our like feed basically just be all Bachelor stuff. And when I go on there, I'm watching like whatever weird shit that I want to watch, like miniature painting and shit and card tricks and whatever. Miniature. She's like, I need bachelor- to watch a Bachelor video. Stop on card trick talk. <laughs> Basically, yes. Cardistry and stuff. Cardist card cardist talk. I don't know. Cardistry is an art, okay? I happen to be an amateur practitioner. At any rate, she asked me very politely if I could mm-hmm. use my personal account. And I was like, of course, I'm so sorry. And uh <laughs> I asked her what the <laughs> 
what the video was that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. What was the thing oh that she God. saw that she was like, I she can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> and the video that she told me was a guy answering a question, direct camera. The question was, how do I talk to girls about crypto? <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not seeking out to learn how to talk to girls about crypto. Wowee, what a scream. This one's right from the soul. <laughs> it is. I do watch a lot of TikToks about crypto and NFTs and stuff like that. And I guess this uh-huh. one was just the... Very cool. Very cool. It is very cool. That's that's where we're headed. How do I talk to girls about crypto? I would advise against it generally would be my response. <laughs> totally. But that was the video that uh, that got me kicked off of our own Game of Roses TikTok by the Dark Seeker. That's so funny. I thought it was pretty funny too. It's like it's very it's like a wholesome wholesome workplace comedy type thing. <laughs> <laughs> Game of Roses is nothing if not a wholesome workplace. And now we are going to move on to a screen that was submitted to us by somebody who is on our Patreon named Miriam. If you would like to submit your screams and have us play them here and discuss them, you just join us in the bottom of the pit. You go to patreon.com slash Game of Roses. You sign up, and then you're going to get access to our Discord where you can submit a one-minute or under audio recording of your scream. We may play it here. And again, this one we're about to play is from Miriam. Here is... Miriam's scream. Hello, my name is Miriam and I'm a long-term pit dweller and current dating app participant, unfortunately. Recently, I've had some sauce wars in my choice of matches. In my bio, I say something about being a podcast listener. And so I'm often talking to people about what kinds of podcasts we listen to, which always leads to me having to decide if I'm going to immediately drag this new person in my life into the pit, which I usually do. But sometimes they're already a Bachelor podcast listener. And then I have to decide if... The podcasts they listen to are green flags or red flags for me. If they say gore or chatty broads or date card pod or something like that, big green flag for me. But if they say a company podcast, I just don't see it working. I once even had someone tell me that they listened to Almost Famous, and I just didn't even carry on the conversation from from there. (laughs) It was just over. I think we really need to create a dating app here in the bottom of the pit. Let me know what you guys think. I can only say this, Miriam. I mean, whatever is working for you in your dating life, please continue to do it. But (laughs) maybe gore listenership should not be a a real criteria that you base (laughs) anything on. I mean, certainly drag people into the pit. But if they don't listen, I think that's maybe okay, too. Yeah, it's okay. That could be a green flag in its own way. That's true, actually. (laughs) Maybe they could help drag you into a life out of the pit. I think that's so funny. The the red green flag podcasts and red flag podcasts. Sound off in the comments about your red flag podcast. I'm curious. I know one of mine. But the other idea floated here is that we create a uh, dating app for the bottom of the pit. What would that even look like? 95% women. <laughs> exactly. So right there. Which no dating app has. Right. We're, we've probably got something of a problem there. That's probably going to make it. I don't see a problem. The user base is probably going to make it ineffective to some degree. But uh, we could have love levels. You could 
bake that into the app that you have to go up love levels with certain people until you can actually ask them on a date or something or you have to say i love you before you go on a date hell yeah like love is blind exactly <laughs> love is the pit yeah um anyway it's a fascinating idea i am not sure that we have the bandwidth to do it but do we have the bandwidth to do we don't even have the bandwidth to do the podcast that we have just done. <laughs> I agree. We did so much today. I am like out of my mind right now. Yeah. But um, I think you guys are really going to like the content that we did. And we are also going to be on Everything Ironic with Danny Pellegrino. I don't know when that comes out. But soon. soon. Look out for it on our socials. Um, and you know what, Miriam, just, I'm proud of you for putting yourself out there, being a dating app participant in the first place, you know, and for spreading the word. Yeah. And dragging people into the pit. We appreciate that. We can't thank you enough for that. You know, we have, uh, we have our song, please write this podcast at the end, but in case that's just become this mind numbing thing to you to signify to turn off the podcast, rating us on your podcast app is, is a good way to help other people find us. Yeah. So try that out. Please go on a dating app. <laughs> Please force the person to talk about podcasts. Please make them listen to our podcast or dump them. Please go on a dating app. Oh my God. <laughs> How about that? Slam poetry. Improv. Hell yeah. Beautiful. But thank you, Miriam, for your scream. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Danny Pellegrino, for joining us today for a fascinating conversation. We can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you, Grace Ann Parks, for keeping our TikTok algorithm clean. And thank you, Nate Flax, for editing our show. Yes, thank you, Nate. And doing all the great sound effects and the producer demon voices that <laughs> drop in from time to time. <laughs> thank you, Percy. Yeah. Loving your content. Thank you, you know, everyone. Debbie Ryan. But thanks, everybody. And before we go, as always, what is that drawback? It has been 7,277 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 